Some viewers may find the following video disturbing. Viewer discretion is advised. Coming live from the Bar Top Banner Studios in Cypress, Texas, it is the happy hour with Josh and Josh. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down the road and back again. Thank you to all our friends listening, and thank you to my confidant, Josh Black. This is the Happy Hour with Josh and Josh, episode number one. I want to give it up for Nine Banded Whiskey taking care of us today. Got it right over my shoulder. They've got a delicious straight whiskey and a delicious blended whiskey out of Austin, Texas. We're keeping it local. Get on, go to your cars, go to your liquor stores, take a picture, put it on the Instagram, put it on the Facebook, put it everywhere. That way they know that you are listening to the Happy Hour with Josh and Josh. And they keep giving us free booze because we like to drink. So episode one, cheers to my good friend, Josh Black over there in Austin, Texas. How are you doing, buddy? Cheers, bud. I made myself a little Pinot after a long day at work. Um, been looking forward to this, man. Excited. How are you? I'm doing very, very well. Um, recovering from my slight vacation from uh, my birthday, which was a hell of a time. Um, yeah. Definitely want to give a shout out to the Chad Cook Band. Always a great group of guys. They uh, came down, toured up on the beach, toured up at the house. It was, uh, it was an amazing time. But what I realized through all the shenanigans of my birthday was I should be a professional washers and cornhole player. Like that was the big takeaway for me. And I should be on ESPN 8, the Ocho, every day. The Ocho. I've, I've seen it firsthand a couple of times, man. Um... Most recently, I guess, at one Kyle Keller's wedding. But I, I don't disagree with you. I and mean, it looked like a great time. It seemed like a Chad Cook band was the house band for your birthday. <laughs> yeah. And, you, you know, when you get those guys <laughs> together, they are nothing but a good time. You got uh, Kevin, Dallas, Chad, Mike, all good guys. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, I guess it was Saturday. And me and Joey went mm -hmm. to get some groceries. And Kyle and Hunter, two of my other good friends, uh, got lost in the smallest big store in America on Crystal Beach. And decided that they would continue to play washers and cornhole versus me and Joey until they repaid their debt. Needless to say, on Monday, <laughs> needless to say, Monday, uh, I got a nice payment of $680 because uh, their debt needed to be repaid. So Hunter and Kyle, I know that's maybe cool. next time we can, uh, we can have a spelling contest. Maybe that's your game. No part of that is surprising. Um, I, don't, I don't know about the spelling either. I think they would get a little overconfident on that one as well. I mean, who, <laughs> who dollar nothings it down to $680? Oh, well, it's not like you were a ringer. They've seen you do this before. And I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm average. I'm okay, but yeah. you got a little whiskey, a little nine banded, and it was just, it was game over for those guys, and we yeah. tore them up. Loosens up the shoulders. That's the secret. You get some nine banded in you, loosen the shoulders up, pocket, just nothing but. You know, it, it's, it's just, I, I need to tell Kylie who uh, tomorrow is our four year anniversary. So, uh, kudos to oh. us tearing up the world. Four? Yeah, man, four whole years together. And uh, couldn't that doesn't seem correct. It, I know. It, I can't tell. It, it's, it's going by so fast. My dad always says, you know, uh, time flies when you're having fun. I guess I'm just living the dream. I guess so. Had a great time at y'all's wedding. Had a great time at your bachelor party. This seems like a lot less than four years ago, both of those. I had a good time the first time you and Kylie met. <laughs> <laughs> a 
Love you, Kylie. I'm sure. I'm sure she can hear me in the other room. It isn't like I'm in a private studio with a door on the wall or something. Whoops. So anyway, back to vacation. Episode number one here, uh, the happy hour. You know, we're, we're probably a little behind on this story, but what are your thoughts on Mr. Aaron Rodgers and what's going on in the the only the only NFL world that doesn't have a true owner? Um, because God owns the Houston Texans, is that why? <laughs> I think Lucifer probably owns the Texans with all the trouble we got in this fucking town. That's fair. Um, man, Rogers, this is the weirdest, weirdest version of this story I can remember. Like, you always have, like, sports stars, like, kind of trying to cause trouble to get out of their situation, maybe get to something better. Uh, recently in Houston, you had James Harden do it, kind of the basketball version. Um, but it seems like Rogers, like there's a couple of teams that just didn't seem like they wanted him back. And then the uh, trivia game show. Um, and it's, it's the weirdest thing. It seems like his fallback plan is Jeopardy. I never saw that coming. <laughs> I'm no longer the starting quarterback. I am now the host of Jeopardy. It's a good gig. Like, he was pretty good on it. I watched a couple episodes, but um, seemed like he's he's marrying, uh, what's her name? Shailene Woodley out of Hollywood. Just wants to get out of Wisconsin. All of well done. Wants to, wants to get back kind of near the West Coast, but all the West Coast teams, like, drafted quarterbacks or traded for quarterbacks. Like, he doesn't have a recourse, really. So, you know, with him, I kind of, I mean, I kind of agree with him at, the Packers haven't done a whole lot. Let me let me rephrase that. They haven't done a fucking thing in his whole career to bring him some weapons. And he mm-hmm. won a Super Bowl. He continues to be competitive with a team that you can't name one receiver. You just can't. No one knows who they are. Oh, they got the one. It's not fair to Devontae Adams. But even even he was like a second-day draft pick that they just happened to develop well. They haven't gone out and got – your point's taken. They have not gone out and gotten him weapons at all. And yeah, I mean that, that that's the big thing with me. Like he is he is one of the athletes. He's 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 hung around, he stayed there, he waited his time after Favre, you know, mm-hmm. did really well. He's made them always a competitor, even when they, you know, don't do well. They're still a, he's still he's still playing very well. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I'm very empathetic to his situation. But on a side note, you know, you hear about him as a person, and again, I don't know Aaron. Never met the guy. Howdy, Aaron, if you're gonna be watching us with the other six people when we post this, but Man, that, that would be a big get, huh? <laughs> hey, I mean, I heard the guy wasn't doing a whole lot and didn't care about football, so maybe he'll want to tune in, pop some popcorn, yeah. and check it out. But you, you hear that he's not the nicest guy either. He's not Mr. Personality, which isn't a horrible thing, but when your family doesn't really talk to you, that's probably a problem. He seems difficult. He seems difficult. Um, He's obviously just like an incredibly intelligent dude, incredibly talented dude, but you don't really hear about people that he's close to necessarily. Uh, even these relationships seem a little bit manufactured. I know I'm probably speaking out of turn, but it's just Great like, point. It's like, but it does seem like he has a good relationship with his teammates at the very least. I, I mean, know. Who doesn't like a winner? Michael Jordan was a cock cocksucker but he, he won it's like oh you're a dick oh thanks for the ring i got another one no <laughs> bj armstrong has three rings thanks to michael jordan it's not the other way around shout out bj armstrong 
I mean, with, with him, it's just, that's just, it's mind boggling that a great, historically great franchise like Green Bay didn't do more to make him happy. But they, and at the end, they kind of pushed far about like Rodgers was awesome. Like they knew they had a great, they knew they had the future there, but you get rid of Favre and what does he do? Take the Vikings to the, the, the NFC championship. Like it's just, you, you never can tell with this team. And yeah. I don't, I don't disagree how he feels either. Like last year you have, an, at all. you have an opportunity to help him and you get a quarterback. I mean, you're, oh, you're kind like of, a big troll move by them. And yes. Yeah, I think Bill O'Brien moved over for that day, and he just was no. the G- GM for the day. He's just like, how can I fuck this team up too? Because I've done so well with the Texans. Can I trade DeAndre Hopkins again? Like, did, did I trade him here? What do I do? Yeah, we traded him for a Ric Flair pop. That's <laughs> what we got out of it. We got a limousine riding, jet flying. <laughs> and then, woo! But that's what that's what the Texans got for a good old good old D Hop. So, it, football has just turned into something that, again, I'm, I'm a college guy. I keep up with the pros. But I just can't force myself to watch it as much anymore because it's just – it's a drama. It's like I'm watching The Hills. I'm not even watching football anymore. And I'm sad to say I even know what the fuck The Hills are. But but I do. And you don't hate it. Okay, I love it. I can't – I'm a Hills guy. What can I say? <laughs> I want to be on The Hills. Hey, again, if you're looking for people, I can be free for The Hills. So what happens? What do you, what do you think happens to Rodgers? What is the end? Does he really not come back or – is? The teams that he listed, like his preferred teams, and Russell Wilson did the same thing. He married a celebrity, and there's always rumors about, like, oh, he wants to go to the Cowboys. Well, the Cowboys just shelled out, like, $100 million to not Russell Wilson. But a lot of money. Um, (laughs) But um, the Niners, like, the 49ers drafted a quarterback at number three. The Raiders are paying a ton of money to their quarterback already, so I think he's just going to play in Green Bay next year. Honestly, um, I don't. You're not going to not be the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers to go to Jeopardy. That's I mean, that's not what actually that's not what actually is going to happen. <laughs> what if that is what happens? He does he does Jeopardy, and then he uh, Drew Carey pulls a hammy. So then he's also on the he's like the king of daytime television game shows. <laughs> He's just on like the CBS lot in uh, Los Angeles <laughs> studio. Yeah. The only guy that's the same is Let's Make a Deal. He's popping up on Family Feud, like Steve, Steve Harvey is the Packers front office. <laughs> Steve Harvey can't be replaced. I can watch Family Feud all day and watch the reruns for months because that fucking guy is hilarious. <laughs> so I didn't get a direct line from Aaron Rodgers to Steve Harvey, but we did it. <laughs> Sports is full of drama, and I think, you know, you got this going on in Green Bay, but you've also got boxing drama, which mm-hmm. is ridiculous. We've already talked about this before, but it just gets more ridiculous. It, it just doesn't fucking stop. You know, I think Fury is by far the best boxer in the world right now. Um, Canelo's number two. Canelo's number two, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, followed by however you want to put Joshua and Wilder. Wilder's not a boxer. He's more of a slugger and Ruiz. But however you want to do all that, I think, you know. That's Logan, Paul, Logan Paul's number six. Right, it's, it's sad that we're about to talk to this guy about this guy. And this is, this is all he wants is credit. But he's, yeah. fighting, he's fighting Floyd. And, I mean, it's, I, I hope it's 
I don't even know what the fuck I hope. I saw him take his uh, take Floyd's <laughs> Floyd's hat off, and it's like his bouncers that just jerked off the roadhouse. Was like, oh, I'm gonna fuck someone up now. This would have been waiting for someone to touch Floyd. Um, when's the last time Floyd fought? Was it Conor McGregor? Yeah, he. I mean, he just came out for some cash. Like that's no, he came out. He kind of batted him around a little. He. Like, he I mean, he made the fight go a lot longer than he had to. He could have. McGregor's. We talked about this because we was during Hurricane Harvey. Yeah, McGregor's only shot was to you expose all the energy he had in the first two and a half rounds and just try to knock him out. If it went past two and a half, it was there was no shot. And at four, it, I'm surprised Mayweather let it go this long, but he was yeah. nice to Connor and they laughed all the way to the bank. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and a report came out today about the highest paid athletes. I think that's what you were doing here. The highest paid athletes for over the last year and Connor McGregor smartly used that to build his name up he made 180 million dollars last year and he, he sold the controlling stake of the shittiest uh irish whiskey of all time it's not good it's real bad <laughs> real bad but i mean what i can't i can't bring myself to buy this fight i hope the rest of the world doesn't either because it's making these trolls rich but I really hope Mayweather just goes out there and just puts a shellacking on him and ends it quickly. Like inside a round and a half, that'd be great. Two two minutes. Like Couture James Tony. <laughs> that's a, that's another thing to bring up. All these boxers seem to call out a lot of MMA fighters. Like it seems like that's the new thing. I would love to see a boxer get in the cage and have a real fight because boxing, Tony's been. James Tony's been the only one that I can remember that's done that. Yeah, and he is. And if you look throughout MMA history, there have been people that were professional boxers, and I don't mean like, you know, James Tony style professional boxers or Mayweather, but people that were professional boxers, like Holly Holmes, probably the best on the women's side. You know, she was a champion mm -hmm. in women's boxing. And then who was my favorite? One of my favorites, the Irish hand named Marcus Davis. You know, he was a pretty successful boxer opening up for big matches and things. And they seem to do okay in MMA but they have, to, they have to transition it. You're bringing a fighter into a sport. You know, yeah. boxing is a part of fighting. But when you're watching a real fight, like no one boxes. You know, someone takes it to the ground, you're rolling around, and that's what it is. And MMA is the sport of fighting. I would love to see someone that thinks that they can actually get in there and hang tough, other than James Tony, put his money where his mouth is and got embarrassed real fast. But I appreciate him actually trying to do it. I'm pretty sure he was older than Randy Couture was when they did <laughs> it. I think, I think within the next couple of years, we'll see like a boxer that's not in their prime, but at least like near their prime, maybe making the transition over a little bit. I think that'd be pretty exciting. I mean, I think, I think it would make it vastly more interesting. Um, you know, I think – an MMA fighter probably has a better chance in a boxing ring. I, I, they're not going to win. But I think since they do have some kind of striking skills for the most part, except for Ben Askren, who he was, he had never throw hands. Like that was. No, he came in. He, well, he was ground game. I remember he was kind of hyped when he was coming into MMA from collegiate wrestling. Like he was a big deal as a wrestler. And, and he, he did very well in the in some of the not I don't want to say smaller promotions. Let's just say less popular. Like he did very well in Bellator. He did very well in FC One. Like, but once yeah. he got somewhere where people could throw hands and block wrestling, it was over for him. And yeah. that's that's who's going to box again. They laughed all the way to the bank. They had a great time. They oh, made a lot of money. But they made more money with that than we will in our entire lives. Oh yeah, yeah, that, for they sure. Get the shit out of us. But 
at the end of the day, it's just not that entertaining. They're selling the spectacle, but not an actual like product or quality sporting match. It's, it is an attraction. Yes. It's like uh, going back to, you know, a non-real sport uh, wrestling. There's wrestling mm -hmm. matches, and then Andre the Giant was an attraction. He wasn't a wrestler. Mm -hmm. It was, oh, it's Andre the Giant kind of thing. But I did respect Frank Mir because he went the full fight. Like, he took it very seriously. He got whooped by a boxer because he's a boxer, but he went all six rounds. And for your first yeah. professional fight, like, that's impressive. And that's what I mean, like, an MMA guy has a shot because they, yeah. they do have some sort of stand-up. But you put a boxer that has no – wrestling training no jujitsu training i mean it could be over in seconds unless they get with some small gloves a quick right then it could be over too i guess or like the obvious uh the obvious kind of the mma person might, might want to show that they can throw hands with a boxer once again the octagon and strategy would just kind of go out the window bad strategy very bad well yeah but we see that all the time that's true um like, oh, screw it. Let's, let's just trade blows for a round, and then who knows what could happen. You get 1990 Mike Tyson in there, and then... <laughs> what was it? I saw the interview with, uh, somebody. with uh, Mike Tyson and Paul um, on, on my TikTok. I was, I was going through, and they're like, oh, you know, Paul and uh, Mayweather, and <laughs> I can't... And Mike looks high as fuck or drunk as fuck. He goes, Mayweather's going to fuck him up <laughs> as he's talking to him. <laughs> so that's great, but uh, transition to MMA, one of the greats has called it quits. Um, Anderson, the spider Silva has formally, unformally announced that, you know, he is retiring from MMA, which I think it's probably five years too late uh, for the spider, but mm -hmm. truly, truly top five best uh, mixed martial artist of all time. And you can argue one, especially when he was at his prime. Yeah. And he's on that short list of people who in their weight class, when they were, in their prime, like George St. Pierre, a few others that just seem unbeatable. Like you're gonna, you're gonna throw whatever kind of challenge you can at them. Like they're gonna get a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu guy in there, try to just match fire with fire. He's just gonna be better than him or that. We're gonna get Forrest Griffin in there. He's a great striker from a weight class above. He's just gonna beat the absolute shit out of him. We're gonna do this, we're gonna do that. We just can't. He, he could beat you any way that you wanted to beat him and turn it around on you. Probably, I would say the most, at his peak, maybe the most well-rounded MMA fighter I've ever seen. And I do believe, me personally, that he was one of the people, when you, you say that topic, you know, played down to your opponent, he did. Like, if he didn't have a matchup that was exciting, it was an unexciting fight, he dominated. He was punching uh, Lathies in the freaking, in the thighs in Dubai. Pissed. Yeah people off he didn't try to finish Damian Maya who much respect for him but there was never a chance there because he can't throw punches really either but you put him in someone with like Chris Levin when he came in with Chris Levin who's he's never gonna be a champion but heavy-handed fan favorite was gonna stand and bang and made Chris Levin look like he had no chin and Chris Levin's head was full of fucking cement I don't think there's anything else in there made him look easy Steve Irwin who at that time was a heavy-handed lightweight light heavyweight yeah put him down and gave him the nastiest gash I've ever seen. And then Forrest, who at that point was my favorite fighter, made him look like a novice, like he just started. And it was, I mean, Forrest was like, it was embarrassing. That was the most embarrassing fight I've ever been a part of. But he, he came at him as hard as he could for that four minutes or whatever and just got the absolute shit kicked out of him. And I'll, throw, I'll throw it back up again. Four. 
That, that was a good card. I remember that one. That was the one that Penny Florian lost uh, the lightweight uh, title match. I can't remember. Again. BJ Penn. He lost to it again. Again. Yeah. That always sucked about Kenny Florian. It always seemed like his strategy changed as soon as there was a title fight and then just sort of like sucked. Yes. Yes. He would, like, when he was at the pay-per-view, he would, he'd been attacking everyone. Like, he went after Clay Guida, who, again, one of my favorite fighters, was never mm-hmm. – actually, he was the first Strike Force champion, which is a pretty cool little fun fact. But he was never going to be, like, the number one. He, he got there a couple times close with Diego and Kenny, but Kenny attacked, attacked, attacked for, like – he attacked uh, Stevens, he attacked him, and then against Jose, he just kind of uh, – And uh, Aldo's another one of those fights. He's going to let you try to beat him, just like Anderson Silva does. So then it was just like, oh, what is this? <laughs> yeah. it, was a, it was a very unexciting fight. Uh, that, that, that card, the best fight there was uh, – uh, what's his name? Luis, the guy from Texas, and he, they played the I'm Coming Home song, and he just threw him, uh, and, him, and, that, him and that Asian guy just threw hands for... The Korean zombie, right? Uh, it, it was not the Korean zombie, but that fight yeah. did happen the exact same way in the WEC and in the okay. UFC, but it was a great fight. Um, who is, who's some of your favorite fighters, if you can just you know name a few from the time you started watching, maybe before you started watching, or nowadays, if you still watch? Nowadays, I mostly watch on Instagram. I need to get back into watching the actual fights, to be honest. Um, that, like, three- or four-year period where I was watching with you a lot um, from, I guess, summer of 08 until, like, into about 2012, that was, like, my prime watching. Um, for whatever reason, I had two, like, favorite guys that I really went to bat for. I remember one of them very – fought for this uh, fiercely. John, John Fitch, welterweight. <laughs> Speak of getting your ass kicked for a full fight. Uh, he just, he was, he was just a gamer, man. Um, for whatever reason, like, I just was really drawn to his style. Um, he just would not quit. It didn't matter who he was fighting. And he fought George St. Pierre and lost, like, like, 50 to, like, 43 on some scorecards. But never stopped. It never tapped. Never, never stopped. Tapped. Never stopped. And he made George St. Pierre, like, a there was another guy who would just like wrestle you for 25 minutes and then be done. But George St. Pierre like had to fight him off and stuff. And it was an entertaining ass kicking for whatever reason. Very much so. Um, from the heavyweight ranks, I liked Shane Carwin a lot. That might be kind of a deep cut, but um, he was always kind of like the class B heavyweight when he was there. But what I liked about him is he was like a mechanical engineer from Colorado. Yeah. He was fun to fight. Just, yeah, he would fight, and then he would just, like, go back to work at, like, a job that required, like, a post, like, post-grad degree. And he had, like, a master's in engineering. It was just like, oh, like, while I was in school, that's something else I could really appreciate. Um, I loved uh, Rampage Jackson when he was around. You did. You did love Rampage. And I remember because me and Matt hated Matt Frazier. <laughs> Shout out to Matt getting over COVID, feeling better. But uh, he hated Rampage, and you liked him. <laughs> He'd get so mad. He was in the A-team. <laughs> he was in the A-team. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Kenny Florian, man, like we already mentioned him. But uh, me and uh, shout out to Hunter Knox, my roommate back when we were watching those fights. Uh, Knox loved that guy. And I, I just kind of hopped onto the Kinflow bandwagon with Knox. Um, he was a really entertaining dude. <laughs> Unless he was fighting for a belt, and then it was just like, just overcautious. I don't know what happened. But I highly just checked on Olive because Olive gets nervous when I'm at the bar for some reason and just sits in this room. Oh, uh, 
She's like looking after you? I guess. I guess she's scared. You know, like Opal might be my favorite MMA fighter. <laughs> Who else? You got any, any uh, other off the wall ones? Off the wall ones. Uh, there was the one I created like myself in the video game. Jab, jab, takedown, jab, jab, thunder punch, thunder punch. <laughs> try for an arm bar, fail, try for an arm bar, fail, get back up. Um, shit, man, I should have prepared a lot more than I did. Uh, Anthony Johnson. Oh, man, Rumble. Rumble was a beast. Um, speaking of just like entertaining fighters. Um, did, you, did you hear that he was recently arrested? I did not. He uh, apparently stole someone's uh, um, identity and they tracked it to someone that bought a flight uh, from A to B <laughs> with the name Anthony Johnson and where he was flying was his main event fight in Bellator. <laughs> True story. Looked it up. I couldn't believe it. And for anyone watching, go just pause, I guess, because we're recording this. Pause this and go Google Anthony Johnson and think to yourself, like, could this guy really have thought that he was going to like get away with looking like so anybody else in the world <laughs> Got shoulders like fucking tree trunks like oh no i'm not this guy yeah i mean mma was so much fun especially in that like 2000 and you know 8 9 10 11 time mm-hmm. when we were watching a lot um i'll take out a majority of the of the, the ultimate fighter one cast because that's what brought me in mma because that was going up directly mm-hmm. against wrestling at the time oh, and, right. I, and i really got in i, I kind of left wrestling because I was always a big guy into wrestling, into MMA. And, you know, Chris Lieben, I loved watching him fight. Um, Forrest Griffin was one of my favorite fighters. Mike Quick Swick, you know, he, didn't, he never did oh, a lot. I loved him. I love Quick Swick out of Houston. I um, about him. Always got hurt and actually opened up a Muay Thai school in somewhere. I don't know. But I, I was a big fan of him. Um, we said earlier, Clay Guida. I just loved him because he had so much energy. He wasn't technical at all. He didn't actually finish a lot of fights either. It was usually a going into the decision, but that guy would just get the shit beat out of him and keep coming. Uh, He should have beat the hair. He should have beat Roger Huerta, but gave up the guillotine choke in the third round. I mean, his entrances were so awesome. Like he was like the ultimate warrior of, of MMA. Cause he came out the cool, like he came out the stupid kid by alkaline trio. He came out to the used. Um, I was a huge Clay Guida fan. You know, I I think he was, he was always like that gatekeeper. If you could get ahead of Guida, you were in the you were in the top five. Like Guido was for the longest time, like a number ten, number nine. Wasn't going to get much higher than that, but he was the guy that you either went up in the rankings or you went back down in the rankings. If you beat him, if you beat him, and if you beat him, you could either count on fighting for the lightweight belt the next time or the next one being like a contender eliminator yeah, for yeah. The title. And that's a great way to put him. He was always right, you know, right there. Um, I was a big GSP fan um, earlier. I mean, but he definitely best technical fighter I think I've seen even still. Yeah, he, he was he was just he was a he was a he is a true MMA fighter because he could wrestle, he could box. Um, it, you know, some people were like, you know, he didn't finish; it was getting boring at the end. He was just that technical. Like with Koscheck, he just he broke his orbital or orbital and just it was all jabs. And you know, with with Dan Hardy, he almost broke his arm, and that was his BJJ. He was just such a good, great MMA fighter. So you know. He was up there definite, definitely um, for me. I forgot about Dan Hardy. I loved his, I loved his he, he peaked and then valleyed real quick, but I loved him. What made you love Dan Hardy so much? What? What made you love Dan Hardy so much? Just the hair, and he came in just talking a lot. 
he he would talk a lot with the British accent and then put on an entertaining fight and for a few fights there it always seemed like he was a threat to knock someone out. He's, he's like Conor McGregor's like way less successful cousin. I mean, I, I get that for sure. I can yeah. see that. I mean, the reason I didn't like him, but I loved his entrance because he got so into Bruce Buffer saying his name and the throwing it down. I actually showed Kylie that the other day, and she was like, oh, wow, he's really excited. I'm like, yeah. Um, I was also uh, really, really big into Pride for a while. I liked Pride fighting before it, you know, it was bought. And there was um, – I'm pretty close on his name, Alexander Shusevsko. He was like – when he retired, he's like 69 and 12 in MMA. Um, he lost Jesus. to – either Wanderlei or Crow Cop in the, uh, the Grand Prix. But he was like this tall. His legs were like fucking tree trunks. If you look at best, uh, best knockouts in Pride history, he's on there because the guy's falling and he hits him like six times as he's falling. Uh, but he was a great fighter. And um, watching Crow Cop in, in the heyday of Pride, that yeah. leg dick. I mean, everyone talks about uh, Fedor, who was a beast, but Crow Cop was so exciting because he would throw that leg kick out of nowhere. Sadly, he comes to UFC in his first fight. He gets knocked out by a, cro uh, a head kick by a guy who's never knocked out anyone. So I think that was it. It was uh, the Gonzaga guy, right? Maybe Gonzaga. Yeah. They were getting ready to make Krokok the, the number one contender. He's like, all he's got to do is win this. And they, he fucking gets KO'd, like lights out. Looks like he dislocates single. Well, that's, they, they had a run of that where they were bringing in these hyped like European dudes a year too late just over and over and over again. Um, I think one common denominator with all the people we like for the most part is they always put on good fights, win or lose. And another guy that comes to mind is Donald Cerrone. The cowboy. I'm, I'm, cowboy was, Cerrone. Every fight I've seen him in is just really entertaining. I mean, yeah, 100%. Minus these last two. And it was hard to watch him go down like he is because he's such a fighter. And you just see him yeah. kind of pretty much get mauled. And he's, he's, got, his, he's got one more fight, uh, Dana said, to kind of – see where he's at. I, I, again, I think it's time for the Cowboy to ride off, um, so. take his money. But he was – and he, in the WC, he was a fucking beast too. Like, I love watching Don Cerrone, and he's, he's a personality. He's like, I want to fight. I gotta, I'm spending fucking money, so, <laughs> so I've got to fight more. And, and I never liked him, BJ Penn. He was another fun guy to watch because he would fight at 145, 55, 70. He fought, um, he fought Loyota Machida in pride, and Loyota was 205, and he was 190. No, uh, he would. BJ Penn was like a very good villain the whole time that he was good. It was just seemed like a really good villain. And you got to have those in MMA too. Like the people at or near the top, like this, why Brock Lesnar was around and so captivating for a while. Like, yeah. You either loved him or you loved to root against him, but no one was like, no MMA fan was just like neutral on Brock Lesnar. Oh, no. Yeah. You had an opinion. You couldn't play middle ground with, uh, with, with Brock. Yeah. So, again, another big shout-out to Nine Band of Whiskey taking care of us today, actually taking care of me because you're drinking the Pinot. Uh, go out to your local liquor store, buy a bottle of Nine Band. You can get the straight whiskey or you can get the wheat whiskey. It is comparable to, in my opinion, a Garrison Brothers or Blanton's for a quarter of the price. So uh, get out there, take care of these guys, and uh, show, show some Texas love for our fellow Texans. Um, you know, minus this last part of the conversation, it kind of seemed like the big thing is whining and complaining and drama it's kind of what this is what we talked about with rogers you know we talked about with boxing and different things let's just keep it on the complaint train and uh the lovely houston astros are getting heckled out of ballparks and have now you know started a uh petition a complaint a formal inquiry whatever the hell you want to call it but they're tired of being called cheaters <laughs> i digress <laughs>
Uh, no, that leads me to two points, I guess. Uh, don't cheat. And if you do, don't get fucking caught. Um, they did and they did. So now they have to deal with it. I mean, it, it's just mind boggling. And, you know, Keith Smith, who uh, does the other, um, does the bar top banter with me. He's a huge Astros fan. I'm from, you know, North Texas. So I'm a Rangers fan. And it's so funny to hear these Astro fans. And the one comment they always like to say is, you still got to hit it. You're right. You still got to hit it. But if you know what fucking pitch it's going to be, whether it's a fastball slider or whatever, like it narrows it down. And that's what they'll always say. All these baseball Houston fans always like, still got to hit it. You're fucking retarded. You're dumb. You're all dumb. And now your team you're so proud of are a bunch of pussies that can't be called cheaters when you cheat. I'm I don't know what else to say. No, it's a lot easier if you if you know a fastball changeup or a curveball is coming at you to hit one of those versus when you're having to read it in the moment. I mean, like, no shit. You listen. You listen to one of the best baseball players of all time, Derek Jeter, who's a Yankee, and most people hate the Yankees. He said he wasn't a good enough hitter to look for pitches. He always looked for one pitch. Well, now these guys hitting knew what one pitch was and what they were looking for. Like, think how much easier that makes it, and just. Again, I, I'm happy when the Astros do well because most of my friends are Astro fans. So that puts them in a better mood, and it just, it, it's just better life. But the amount of just backing up the cheaters once they got caught, A, B, making excuses that you still had to hit it, it's just it, – it drives me crazy. It's infuriating, and it's a, it's a little good to still see them kind of get their comeuppance because last year, obviously, some things happened and there was no fans in the stands for a short season. And I read something where, like, well, that's good for the Astros, honestly. That's an equalizer for the Astros because they're not going to have to face all these booing fans. Uh, you know, just like Jonah Hill said in Superbad, like, people don't forget. Uh, <laughs> people don't forget. I wish I had that soundbite downloaded. That's good <laughs> shit right there. <laughs> Why don't you go pee your pants again? It was 10 years ago. People don't forget. But, like, I'm glad that people didn't forget. I'm glad that we have, like, a villain. And I think it's good for baseball, honestly. Yeah, I mean, everyone, everyone's going to the games, getting ready to yell at, yell at them. So, I mean, that, that's good. You're selling tickets. And it's just, it, again, it, me being here, I've, I've had to listen to it so long. Yeah. It's, it's just mind, it's mind-numbing that they – how the the way they can try to stand up for him. I mean, like Key's cool. He's a super cool guy. Like about this conversation, he's like, yeah, we cheated, we got caught. Like, eh, everyone does it. We just happen to get caught, and that's true. Every baseball is there's really no rules in baseball except for don't bet on baseball, which is yeah. the biggest travesty ever. Is Pete Rose isn't in, in the Hall of Fame, in opinion number one. But that but that's the rule. That's the one rule that you can take steroids, you can cheat until you're blue in the face, but you can't bet on baseball. And just just a deal with this it's comical it's it's fun for me because they always bring up oh they'll make fun of the rangers or whatever i'm like hey man you got to cheat to win good for you no it's I'll, I'll reiterate i think it's very good for baseball um i mean they got theirs and you can't take those moments away from those fans i remember like that astros like world series run that doesn't them getting caught cheating during all that doesn't like, replace the memories that people had but now you also just have to deal with it. Um, but anything that keeps baseball kind of in the forefront of being like a national conversation, because it's, to me, turning into more of like a regional sport in a lot of ways. So any of these national topics where 
people can group together to cheer against the team. Like the Astros being called cheaters is good for baseball. So they just need to – they should play it up. Yeah, I mean, I, they, 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 Houston, Houston as a city plays it up. They got banging trash can T-shirts, and I admire them. Like yeah. that, That's how you got to handle the situation. And you make a good point. Um, in episode one of Bar Top Banter, you can find on YouTube at the Bar Top Banter uh, page, Keith and me talked about that, that, you know, baseball has taken a, a far third place in, in the sports in America. You know, when, when I was younger, when I was 10 or 11 years old, it was firmly – at that point, football had probably jumped up to number one yeah. at that time, but baseball was really close. And basketball was kind of a distant third in the early 90s. And it just turned on its head in the mid to late 90s, and baseball just hasn't been, found a way to get back up there. And you could say that, you know, MMA is even now with just interest and excitement that baseball is. And for as far as like social media engagement and stuff like that, if you, I don't know how one measures that, but you could probably definitely, you could definitely make that argument where football, basketball, everything else. Oh yeah, baseball's way down. It's just, it's not as interesting. I mean, if you think about it, not a lot. I mean, like the Astros had a great story because Harvey happened. So like that brought a lot of interest into baseball. But prior to that, like you can't think of a really, really big moment other than the home run chase with McGuire and Sosa. Like there wasn't this moment that kind of bonded not only a city, but a viewing. Because everyone, mine is probably the Ranger fans, me being one of them. Everyone wanted Houston to do well because the city got ravished and everything, and they're just playing so much better, and they win the World Series. But baseball just doesn't have doesn't have that excitement because it's a very slow paced sport. The one counter I'll have to that, and it's still twenty years ago, but after nine eleven, uh, Bush Bush coming out in the World Series, giant giant, it's like obviously wearing a bulletproof vest under his jacket. Uh, rifles off that first pitch, and then that World Series between them and the, I think it was the Diamondbacks. I mean, that that's good. That was I mean, a that was a big moment. But other than that, like, and I think I think part of it is like in '95 you had the strike, '98 you had the home run chase, '99 you had oh wait these guys were juicing, and then the what should have been the big one was like the Barry Bonds like home run the beating Hank Aaron, but everyone hated Barry Bonds and just kind of checked out. Yeah, like you, you just didn't – even, I mean, when everyone was watching him on the home run, like to beat McGuire, but it didn't have near the excitement that McGuire and Sosa did. No, and, I remember that summer. That was incredible. And you talk about 9-11. I think of that. I think of Piazza hitting the, hitting the home run in, in New York, of all things. Mm-hmm. And then Sosa with the American flag uh, running out. That was yeah. – that's a cool visual. Speaking of America – you know, Memorial Day is right around the corner. <laughs> I ask 13 people, younger people, mind you, that uh, happen to work at the same place I work, didn't know what Memorial Day was or what it stood for. And I about had an aneurysm. I, I almost didn't make it out of work that day. I always have to give it like a quick second thought because I think people, like you you served, you're a Navy man. Um, I try to I try to text you or call you every Veterans Day, and, so, and you do you do every year. Um, you're going to be getting a lot of Happy Memorial Days, and it's not like a happy day. Um, and it's to honor like our fallen troops, and people get that really mixed up. I think. I mean, they they vastly do, and you know, I think 
even dad, Memorial Day was always big in our family. Even for dad, mm -hmm. it was, you know, we celebrate because these people have fallen and these people have lost right. their lives. Um, and it, it was, it was just kind of, it was, it was, I was surprised the lack of knowledge and then even trying to give them the hints, like what is memorial? Why do you, why is there usually a memorial for somebody? When do you memorialize people? I mean, it, it's a national holiday. So that kind of, that was kind of crazy, but, uh, Anyway, side, side tangent, because we're talking about 9-11 and stuff. Um, uh, and, and it turned into just like a three-day weekend where mattresses are really cheap. Mattresses and trucks. Trucks go on yeah. sale for the, big, for the big Memorial Day. So that's kind of all of our major topics we're going to be talking about today. But this part of the segment is called I'll Have One More. This is kind of our overtime segment where you're at the bar at happy hour and you're supposed to leave because the wife and girlfriend are calling. And then your friends stare at you long enough and you're like, <laughs> okay. I'll have one more. So on, on, on this little part of the episode, we both get to just kind of bring up a, talk, a topic and just kind of chit chat about it. Um, JB, do you have a topic that you would like to talk about? Um, I do. They've been doing a, you know, I'm in, into the NBA quite a bit, almost unhealthily as much as I follow it. Um, they've been doing a countdown because the Hall of Fame induction is in three days. So they've been adding in like a, on their Twitter account, a player who wore that number, like when it was 41 days away, they had Dirk's picture like this many days away. Uh, today, obviously it was Allen Iverson, three days away. Um, this Hall of Fame class though is ridiculous. Um, the late great Kobe Bryant um, is getting inducted. Uh, Michael Jordan is, Kind of inducting him in and then the other two inductees are tim duncan and kevin garnett and i was thinking i want to make you rank those four guys kobe duncan kg and ai kate ai iverson so kd kg kg kevin garnett alan iverson kobe bryant and tim duncan I mean, if you're talking about just, it, it, it's very hard to rank them. I'm, I'm not a. It's hard, right? Yeah, it really is. I mean, if you're thinking about, it depends on how you do it. One thing I won't do is I won't get into the LeBron and Mike debate. I think generationally the game is different because people will say, you know, LeBron or Jordan is better. Like LeBron would have dominated. Then like he would have played differently. He would have grew. He would have grown differently. Like no, LeBron, they would have. They would have turned LeBron into like Carl Malone who can pass. Because, because it would just they would he, body type. Because they didn't play like that. Like if you put yeah. LeBron in the fifties, LeBron wouldn't have played like he does now because in the fifties yeah. didn't play like that. If I had to rank those people, I mean, I'm probably gonna go. I'm probably going Kobe, on number one. Um, he was amazing in every every facet of the game, mm -hmm. and just such a, such an amazing player to watch. Um, he's, he's probably number one for me. Number two, just through his heart and everything he was able to accomplish with the lack of size, I'm going Iverson. Um, he probably isn't better than the other two. He's probably last out of those on a lot of people's thought processes, but, uh, he went to the finals with Eric Snow as the second best player. So I think that says a lot about his ability, his character, his drive, and it pisses me off that people always talk about the practice rant because they don't show the whole context that his friend had just passed away and he just still played an amazing game. Yeah. They went to practice and whoever the PR guy was, 
for the 76ers that day should have been fired on the spot. Just sold him. Uh, they should have pulled him off the podium as soon as anything was happening. It was so disrespectful, and I think that I think that set the 76ers back a long time because you had someone that wanted to retire as 76er, and he was – he would he would he would he would also chop off his leg to win a game. I was a big Iverson fan, yeah. um, so he's number two for me. Three, which is probably number two in a lot of people's minds, I'm going with Mr. Fundamental Tim Duncan. Um, I hate it, it's so it's so sad that him and Dirk were in the league at the same time in the same conference at the same rivals because, you know, I'm I'm a huge Dirk fan and in my heart he's always my favorite and in, in number top three. But you can't argue the greatness of Tim Duncan and how focused he was, how he played, um, his mentality, just everything about him. He was, he's probably the best power forward to ever play the game. And if it, I think so, yeah. yeah, I mean, if it wasn't him, I think you put Dirk up there. He's the, he's the best, but they just, they just happened to be in the same place at the same time. And it was cool that they changed how the playoff system worked because they met in the, the playoffs that one year. Yeah. The best second round series of all time. Yeah. And last for me is KG, and no disrespect to Kevin Garnett. Um, he was an outstanding player. I think I, you know, I watched the uh, Stefan Marbury documentary the other day. Mm-hmm. The and, from Coney Island, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Super, yeah. super good documentary. And you really get a sense of how Stefan, like, I didn't know that Stefan's brothers were all college players and were all, all better than him in most people's eyes. Like, he, they were better. One went to North Carolina State, one played at Texas A&M, and they were all really oh. good. So, I think I think if they would have stayed together, you would have saw a championship in Minnesota. But it was just an ego thing and a money thing, and Stefan left. But Kevin Garnett, he could he could take you down low. He had a mid range jumper. He had confidence. He was strong, and he just had an intensity about him. And I mean, I was I, I liked Kevin Garnett. It's just you're in a you're in a group of you yeah you you you're in a legend group and. That's when that other argument comes. Is Kevin Garnett a legend, in my opinion? I don't consider him a legend. He's, a, he's, a, he's an all-time great, but you think of legendary moments. I think of Kobe scoring 81. Tim Duncan making a big three when he never makes threes. And all the championships. AI shot over uh, Tyron Lue with the step. And just being him. Like, there's not a single moment where I'm like, that I just connect KG with an overall great player, one of the greats. You yeah. know, he's a, he's a top fifty player, no doubt. Wherever you want to put him, but for me in this list, he's last. What about you? Yeah. Um. The Kobe Duncan thing is tough. Um, R.I.P. Kobe. It's been over a year now. I remember I was at the. This was right before Kobe started. I was at the movie theater and found out, and then shut my phone off for the movie and I did not watch the movie very much. It's just like, holy shit. Um, I think it's probably like a 1A, 1B. And it comes down down to like, who who would I want to watch and who would I want to play with? Um, I would just want to watch Kobe first. So that's kind of the 1A for me. And then Duncan's the 1B. Um, I probably want to play with Tim Duncan before I played with Kobe Bryant, like if I was an NBA player. Yeah, for sure. And then I and then I got Iverson and KG. But you're right, um, legend, like icon, whatever the word you want to use. I think KG could have been if he had not played in like in Minneapolis for twelve years, because um, his his biggest like icon moment is when he was like shouting, shouting anything as possible after a game. Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't like an in-game moment. 
And and I think the cool thing, like, well, I have, also have AI number two. I yeah. would say he was more influential and iconic in the NBA than all, than all of them at one point. Like he made like, and again, we're from Glen Rose, Texas. Well, you know, we, we don't dress very street, but he made hip hop artists want to be basketball players. He made, he brought like slam magazine back in the day it was so cool. I couldn't wait for it to come out. And I had slam magazine pictures everywhere, but he was like, he made artists want to be basketball players and kind of brought the two together kind of where you see, you know, the, the entertainer classic in the early 2000s and late 2000s at yeah. Rock Park, he was very influential with Kobe, who played a lot of those games, and later, I, later down the road, Kevin Durant, making that happen. Yeah. And that, that one um, slam cover, like that soul on ice cover, where it's Ellen Iverson and he's got his fro kind of picked out and he's wearing the retro Philly jersey. Iconic. My God. I was listening to a po- another podcast um, with someone that used to work for Slam, and he was telling the story of that of that day. And Iverson showed up like eight hours late to the photo shoot, and they just sat there and waited for him. Yeah, I mean, not only that, and he That's had, the kind of status he had. Other than Jordan's, he has the coolest shoe of all time in my the 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 his first the shoe. Yeah, because that shoe's still worn today, and there's nothing special about it. It's just a clean with a little honeycomb air bubble on the backside and the, the tip, the tip of the color of whatever you want to wear red at the time, man, I, that shoe's still like, I see people come into my place of business all the time with that shoe on. And I'm like, I remember, I remember our freshman team getting those shoes, except for me because Jim Roach wasn't going to pay that much money for, for, for a tennis shoe. So I wore the hand-me-downs, but yeah, AI again, he's, he's number two on me, number three on you. And that's the guy we're talking about. So I think that says a lot about him. It does say a lot. Number three on that best shoes, those they've got to be the big baller brand after Lonzo Richardson. Biggest fucking idiot. I've oh god, him him. They're and, both playing so well though now. Oh yeah, I mean the, the brothers got game. There's there's no doubt about that. Just their uh their their dad is just garbage, and he almost ruined a career. So yeah, um, I think it's good that we talked about AI so much because that's going to go into my. I'll have one more. Oh. Um, the top. Now this has nothing to do have nothing to do about Hall of Fames or anything, but I've really started to get back into hip hop, okay. um, and listening to some of the albums I have, some of the vinyls I have, and just you know scan through. We're gonna do a top three. Um, it can be your favorite, it can be most influential, but if you can think, who's the, in your opinion, the third best, most influential, exciting, like hip hop artist for you? We're going three, three, two, one. Yeah, sure. You make the rules. This is we've at this, this point of the, at, at this point of the happy hour, we've probably been six shots deep. So the rules are open for interpretation. Like you had a one A, one B earlier. Uh-huh. You can do whatever you want here. No rules apply. To 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 me. To me for me. Um this is off the cuff. I would say number three for me is probably a tripod quest, even though I got into them a little bit later. Um, they've had some of the most like they some of their songs have kind of lasted the most for me. It's like stuff I still listen to. I didn't get into them until like college, but I was just like, holy shit, like this is way different than anything else I was listening to, and it's fucking great. Yeah, they were they were very different, and they had their own unique sound at a time where a lot of things sounded very similar. Yeah. What is yours? Number three. Um, 
and they probably weren't the best per se. You know what? I, ha I have a tie for three and four, so I'm, I'm making an audible right now. For me, it's going to be just influential and amazing and iconic, and it's going to be Eminem. Um, okay. Coming from someone from the bottom, didn't get any love, played at Warp Tour, and arguably, yeah, he played at Warp Tour. Yeah, he played at Warp Tour. It's crazy, right? Um, he made a career out of just killing people, freestyle. And basically made Machine Gun Kelly become a pop punk guy because he killed him with kill shots so bad that he did. But he could, he could do everything. Um, I mean, I might as well say my honorable mention. It was N.W.A. Uh, I think they, they, they brought gangster rap to the front. There was no such thing as gangster rap before them. They, you know, they gave UGK kind of their sound with a, with a Houston Port Author flavor. Um, the Hot Boys, even still some of their language with, you know, um, Birdman and Juvenile and Lil Wayne and those guys. But... NWA was my honorable mention, but Eminem, I mean, the, the guy could do everything. He did everything. And the most successful hip hop artist of all time, arguably. Uh, probably so. I think, yeah, I think you would just have to think that. And I, I may have to do an audible as well. <laughs> I mean, the thing I loved about Eminem is because he drew you in with a hap. What if you didn't listen to the lyrics? It was like "Semi Charm Life" by Third Eye Blind. You're talking about getting high on crystal meth, but you're like just kind of happy go lucky because the beat, like "Hi, My Name Is," the real Slim Shady, um, mm -hmm. "Purple Hills" with D12. Like all his first singles off his albums were like very dance friendly, like sing along. But if you really listen to it, you're like, "This is yeah. fucked up." But then he would come out with like "Stan," or um overly fucked up oh god yeah he murdered, <laughs> murdered people and like you just listen to those and you're like holy shit but he drew you in with like this happy radio friendly song and then it was like this is what i'm about um someone came to mind and my audible and i think we're just gonna both end up with top fours at this point my audible is gonna be like the three the three i have left i have to also include Kanye west just for how influential he was and still is yeah, he, he's crazy, but his first album, College Dropout, it doesn't get yeah. better. That's That yeah. could be top 10 best hip-hop albums of all time. And then he's my three, and then uh, Tribe's probably my four at that point. So, sorry, I had to interject in there. So you got two. All right, number two is Outcast for me pretty easily. Pretty that, that's, that, that's, a, that's great. They're not, they're not in there for me, but that's a really – I forgot about – Outcast. I'm fantastic. Speaking of like dance friendly, so radio friendly songs that are actually really sad when you hear about them. Hey, uh, just go listen to that and read the lyrics for it real quick. Everyone move to the back of the bus. I just think of Coach Dye. Rosa Parks. God, what an incredible song. But Coach Dye and Clinton Hubert. <laughs> <laughs> that gets you fired these days. Shout out, shout out Clinton Hubert. I'm not moving. Well, no, you are. <laughs> <laughs> um, now this iconic probably honestly like probably like the best kind of technically music on here that we're going to talk about um, along with uh, along with a couple other people that we're probably still still about to mention like music that you almost would listen to like they almost wouldn't get grouped in with other other like rap groups or rap acts, but like 
they would get grouped in with like the strokes and it's just like this is music that i'm turning other people on that's like cool cool music they they were like like the strokes were their own genre for a while they weren't alternative they weren't garage and that was that was outcast they weren't hip-hop they weren't funk they weren't rap they weren't r&b they were outcast outcast, so and yeah that i uh i agree with that's a good one okay who's your two number two for me um this is a hard one um but it's got to be tupac um everything that guy did he could he could do like the straight gangster rap like um i get around like you hear i get around it's just a fun like i'm fucking broads left and right getting as hammered as can be but then you got brennan's got a baby like serious stuff that was going on in the early 90s in the projects which luckily i you know obviously i never had to deal with but like the dark side that most people especially from like a glen rose texas or a more let's say caucasian group like you really don't know what's happening out there you just see what's on the news but he like broke it down like super serious and you're like holy fuck and then change it changes changes oh god that came out i think in 99 and i would run home from the bus to try to catch trl and just hope that they would be the backstreet boys or nsync that changes would be number one and he'd already passed away at that time and that song and it's just it's everywhere on the radio at that time he was a great actor you know in juice above the rim um you know he's another one of those guys you just wonder what he would have done if he wouldn't have died so young i would have loved to see it i think yeah he's terrifying in juice i i watched it not that long ago <laughs> he's like you forget that he's tupac so like, oh no he's gonna the the scene in the high school when omar Epps like closes the locker and he's just there like staring at him yeah a legitimate horror movie moment well like that scene and then uh above the rim where he's at the club and marlon or damon wayans marlon wayans comes in and blows him away because he's birdie he like run he's Mm -hmm. running the game like that movie i used to watch that on tnt like at 10 o'clock at night every weekend because they always played it (laughs) the late night the late night movies but yeah tupac i I have um all eyes on me on 33 for the vinyl and anytime you put that on it's like you get you get in the mood, you're like, yeah, dude, Tupac was the man. So Tupac's number two for me. Okay. So my number one. Um, my number one would have to be just Jay-Z for what he's kind of just given me over the years over this yeah. amount and quality of music, the collaboration with Kanye West, the Watch the Throne album, his collaborations with his wife, Beyonce, who's pretty good at music in her own right. She's pretty good at life. AKA better than anyone that we've talked about so far. Um, That was very much the one where the Black Album came out when I was a freshman in high school. So it's just like, oh, this is who I like now. This is is what I listen to. Yeah. So that's, he more than anyone else, even more than Kanye West, um, got me into rap music. So we'll always hold a special place in my heart. And just the quality of the music and the way he was able to balance quality with like what's going to get radio play. Um, probably he probably did that better than most, if not all other like rappers, honestly. Oh yeah. He, he knew, he knew what was going to put like, he has, in my opinion, the greatest hip hop song of all time with big pimpin. Like I think of that. Oh, yeah transitions in that and he brought ugk into that and you know the big the big boys from from port arthur texas outside of houston that is a sing-along anthem that was on the radio that your parents didn't know you were listening to about these this dude pimping and, yeah. and you just didn't know because it was such a catchy song and if you didn't 
if you weren't like just hearing even other than Big Pimp and just listen to what they're talking about, you're like, oh, that's fucked up shit. And it's on 106.1 Kiss FM. Yeah, no, it's it's incredible what he's been able to do. And I was, you know, he's been able to stay in cover just like as a kind of pop culture presence, but also just as a musician. Yeah. You hear what you hear what he was putting out in 1999 and then what he was putting out in 2011 and it's completely different, but it's still like Jay-Z. Yeah, it, he's he's a master at evolving with the times, and he he's proved that that he can do it time and time again. So, n- no disrespect, great great pick. It's funny because Dr. Dre's not on any, any one of ours. Who yeah. is <laughs> has you think probably the best rap producer of all time? Best rap producer and maybe the best album with the Chronic and the and Chronic too. Either one of those could be you could say was one of the greatest. But for me. It's a 1A, 1B. I'm going with uh, B.I.G. He, okay. he never ran out of breath. He just kept going and going and going and going. So, I mean, hypnotize, Big Papa, Juicy, everything was great. I could talk about him for hours, but he, he was another guy. What, what all would have he done? How awesome would have he been? Well, that's why I didn't want to get into this conversation until – because I figured that was going to be your number one. <laughs> just to think about all those people kind of that we lost in the late 90s not only rap but like, think about like chris farley and stuff like that just like what they would have done um i really do think that tupac would have been more of like a polymath kind of almost like you he would have started kind of creating things being a great actor like he already was everything else whereas I think uh, Biggie just would have just kept just cranking out this incredible music over and over and over again. Then now I look and Josh is gone. It's just his microphone and some nine-banded whiskey. Nine-banded whiskey, Austin, Texas. It's great. I had a little accident. I had to clean it up real fast. Oh. Dogs. Poor buddy. What are you going to do? Yeah. My, my dog just last week just took like, I've had her 11 years for background now, and a couple of times she's gotten like sick and like diarrhea or whatever in the apartment. She just took like a full shit in the apartment the other day. She just doesn't give a fuck anymore. Yeah, Olive, Olive was just yeah, throwing she up. She just on looked the only, at me. <laughs> we talked earlier, Olive throwing up on the only piece of carpet we have in this whole wood floor house. But, I, th- I think that hip hop these days could just mop the floor with, Get, get would get mopped to the floor with the guys from the past like these people yeah. that they're just you little Zan and little x and little dude and i mean mac miller was good i liked mac miller you know i listened to him i wasn't into him like these other guys but it just it's not even close i don't i, I can't get into it I, i've tried because the people i work with like they're into it uh-huh. and they're you know some younger that i work with i try to you know get on a common level some of the people i work with in my department, don't even know who Tupac is. I was. That's unfortunate. So that that's the level of this generation of the fifteen to twenty year olds that don't know who Tupac are. Man, I'm looking through my phone right now. Uh, Kendrick Lamar hasn't put anything out recently. He he's one that could go back and do just as well. I think he's pretty incredible. Uh, oof, Chancellor Rapper's kind of fallen off lately. I mean, Travis Scott has Astro World here every year, but 
Mm. I don't. I couldn't tell you one song he sang. I just know he puts on a big festival, and Marilyn Manson was there last year, and everyone was like, "Holy shit, he was actually pretty good." And I'm like, "That's yeah, Marilyn Manson. He just screams and does Marilyn Manson things." Uh, Pusha T is pretty great still. Like him, the baby, he's pretty good out of Charlotte. And, and uh, this is what the people came to see is two white dudes in their thirties from Blender. Let's talk about new. <laughs> <laughs> and see, I, I don't know anything, but like we have, we have a little rap festival coming soon. And it's a, you know, Bun B, Slim Thug, a Chameleon Air. Oh, Bun B. I mean, I'm a big Bun B, a zero, big zero fan. Um, you know, a guy that gets a bad rap, be, it could be an episode of We Need More Knowledgeable People is the story of SPM. You know, he's, he's one of the uh, South Park Mexican. Okay. He's actually, he's from Houston and he's one of the guys that kind of started the Houston kind of sound. He's in prison now for uh, sex with an underage woman, girl, but she was a stripper. Anyway, it's a bad rap. It's a, it's a crazy festival they've had. So for maybe years. more than one person should go down. <laughs> yeah, probably more than one. Um, but They didn't run her I-9 very well. No, <laughs> I don't think they have I-9s at the strip club, or at least the ones okay. I've Hey, guys, we hope you enjoyed. Okay. You know, uh, this is episode one of the happy hour. Uh, it is Josh and Josh. Uh, we'll be coming at you you know, looking at every, every week, but it might be every other week. We'll have different topics. We're going to have this on the YouTube, have this on the Facebook. Um, it's always fun us getting together, chit chatting. Um, you got any parting words, JB? Uh, no, man. Um, go by Jay-Z's autobiography. It's pretty good. It came out several years ago and my happy hour beverage here. Erath Pinot Noir, Oregon. Oregon, USA. What what was what was that out that uh, book you have? I told you to take it like the last two times you were at my house. The hip hop book, the rap year book. That's rap a year. shout out. That's a shout out. I should do. You're welcome. Shay Serrano, um, the uh, great Twitter follow for all all y'all that do tweets. Um, he's a uh, a writer and kind of blogger out of. Uh, Originally San Antonio, lived in Houston for a long time. Now he's back in San Antonio. He's written the Rapier book and um, movies and other things and basketball and other things. And all three of those movies are great. And he's got rap and other things coming out later this year. I'm very excited for that. So get on Amazon and buy some books. There you go. Shout outs again. Nine Banded Whiskey taking care of us today. I know you were buying time as I was cleaning the floor. So Nine Banded Whiskey, amazing uh, Whiskey out of Austin, Texas. Go to your local liquor store and uh, pick it up. Big shout out for my birthday, Chad Cook Band. If you are into any kind of country music, even though we're talking about hip hop today, check out the Chad Cook Band. Their new single, I Want to Go Out, has cracked the top 30 on Texas music, going for their fifth straight number one. Other than that, hey, I'm Josh. That's Josh. We're chit-chatting every week, talking about the happy hour. We hope you had a good time. We have another amazing 80s theme song to play us out. And until next time, we are the happy hour. Hope you all have a good night. Your third fiance didn't show. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see. The troubles are